Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk a lot about Unearthed Arcana, and where is the book that is featuring all of that stuff we are uh, supposedly playtesting, um, as well as the new Critical Role book, we discuss that some more. Uh, new games are starting in 2020, and we're all very excited. Uh, I'm sorry this episode got out a little later than normal, but I hope you enjoy. <music> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you're having a wonderful weekend, and I can't wait to talk about some Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, um, welcome. Yeah. This is episode 101. So if you were joining us last week, we had an extra long uh, 100 episode. Um, where we answered questions, and we also ha started a giveaway. So, uh, unfortunately, the giveaway has ended because it only lasted uh, like five or six days. Um, but we are going to announce the winner on this show at the end of the show. Uh, so stay tuned, and we'll announce the winner. Um, and if that winner doesn't email me back, then we will announce another winner later on. So it'll be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, we're a D&D talk show podcast. We talk about all things Dungeons & Dragons and the other RPGs that we enjoy. Um, which is funny that we were both like, let's have a D&D show. And then it's morphed into, let's have Jordan talk about Invisible Sun a lot and yeah. Forbidden Lands and Tales from the Loop and like, yeah, <laughs> all this stuff. But uh, so we kind of talk about all the things that we find interesting. Um, there was a lot of news last week, Lucian, hmm. not a ton of news this week. So we thought we'd still talk about the, the big explosive news that's happening from last week, which was, uh, ex, ex, I forgot the name of it. The the Wild Explorer's Mount. Guide Explorer's Guide to Wild Guide Mount. To Wild Mount. Um, mm -hmm. And that is the uh, campaign setting book for season two of Critical Role. The same planet, but a different continent. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to have new... Um, we haven't play tested any of these new things that they've been talking about, like the Chronomancer and all this other stuff. So feelings on that. Like, is this just like Matt says it's good and, and his word is is God and we take that as holy scripture mm -hmm. and, and we play the game and we're happy? Or mm -hmm. are we yeah. anticipate, well, it's coming out in March. We're not going to get any playtesting, are we? No, yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, and that's interesting that none of the UA articles had mentioned any piece of it, though we didn't really get, I don't think, any UA articles for the Act Inc., new mechanics or the Ravnica new mechanics. Although maybe we did actually. Ravnica, Ravnica. we got Spore Druid and we got things like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe we did for um, that one. So. The races, not so much. I have noticed that they don't play test races because yeah. I think races are just easier to design. Um, they know mm -hmm. that they, for every- They're not gonna every, break the game. Yeah, every bonus they have to have, we give them like something bad in return, you know? So kobolds have minus two strength or something like that. I think yeah. races are easier to design than classes, uh, subclasses I should say. Um, but these are like complex subclasses and every com or every subclass that we've gotten has had some kind of UA article. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like I was thinking about that a lot this week, how, um, you know, they said that Matt Mercer has been working on this for like, I want to say I, over a year, maybe longer. And mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of writing in in the world building aspect. 
So that makes sense that he spent so much time writing this and doing the world building aspects. But when you start throwing in new subclasses, new spells, new mechanics like that, um, yeah. And it's going to be like, I don't know if this will be Adventure League. It probably won't. But it, it's like official D&D stuff. Mm -hmm. um, then, I don't know, you kind of need to play test that. And, and are they secretly play testing it and they just don't yes. want to like announce it? The answer the is thing? yes. Oh, they yeah, are. Yeah. Okay. They did make a big... I saw several posts go out and several Reddit addresses and definitely on Twitter, they were saying, yes, guys, because apparently other people have raised this concern elsewhere. And they said that it has been not only play tested by Matt's team, because it is clear that when they did this product, Matt was allowed to choose a lot of the writers. Matt was allowed to choose a lot of the artists and they worked with the Wizards of the Coast crew, but the Wizards of the Coast crew was more about the packaging and less about the writing of it yeah and they let matt kind of handle that with his team but the play testing was done by matt's team and when it did get to wizards of the coast wizards of the coast did internal testing with it also the okay. same vetting of it jeremy crawford dived into all of the the subclasses and made adjustments if you you can get a few kernels of more information if you watch the interview between um james hake and james I was going to say it again wrong again. In Intracasso? James Intracasso. Yeah. Yeah. And um, on D&D Beyond where they talk a little bit about, because he even says like it took him a year and a half to make the book start to finish how the concept had come up. Because James apparently was one of the writers and one of the main people that helped with the original book, the Taldori book. Okay. And so when Matt and, and Wizards of the Coast are going to do this next thing, they don't even know what they're going to do. Chris Perkins talks about they don't even know. They just bring Matt in, and they don't know if they're just going to bring Matt in to work on one of their worlds. Uh -huh. They don't know if they're going to bring in Matt in and just do an adventure. They don't know, and they just know they want to work with him. They just want to have him part of Is this of Wizards or this D &D Beyond? Wizards. This okay. is what Chris Perkins was saying when they, they brought him into the office. And then after they brought him into the office, they kind of started deciding Matt wanted to – create the world that he's also streaming at the same time because it's efficient for him schedule-wise and workload-wise to be doing, hey, I need this anyways because I'm running this big giant show that everybody loves. It makes sense that if I'm writing the book about that and not something else, it's not as much work. It's still work, but maybe it's not as much work if they said, hey, hey, Matt, take over Dark Sun for us and write us up, you know, fifth edition's version of Dark Sun because we really love what you do which they would have done. Like if, if Matt would have said, I think I got the impression from that interview that it was mm -hmm. like, if Matt said, Hey, I want to do spell jammer. They might've let him do spell jammer. Yeah, you know? yeah. He kind of had this, this, if you want to do something, we want to help you do it in Dungeons and Dragons. So, but it made sense that he, he tied it into the world that he's in now and it makes sense. And everybody's out there. Okay. We got that. So, and it sounded interesting the way Chris talked about what their role was versus what Matt and his team's role was. And you got to hear from the writers of that and how they, there were four main writers and that's why there's four main adventures that you from the four different areas. And Matt was very hands-off in certain areas and then very, mm -hmm. you know, just do your thing and really, really, and we know that's how he is. He, he's the type of person that's going to facilitate, you know, lots of creatives. He's always rising other people up. He's never, Dude, hey, this is my way, and you know everybody talks about that. Matt doesn't have a big ego. There's or the door, buddy. Over. There's yeah. the door. <laughs> my way or the highway type thing. No. Yeah. So I think what it was is it was a project that Wizards of the Coast really wanted to do with Matt and Matt himself more even than 
hey, let's bring the critical role team in and build something with the critical role team. It wasn't so much that. It was, let's bring Matt in and we want to do something with Matt. And it happens to be Matt wants to also do his world. He's into it. They're uh-huh. in this new area. It could be a great book and a campaign. Let's do that. And they brought in four different writers. And they weren't, it wasn't any of the cast that were extra writers or anything that. So it it is an interesting book. And I still, I'm interested to get my hands on it. I'm interested to see um, where some of these subclasses came from. Because he talks about like dunamancy and, and all these other things. And I thought it was interesting that it was a lot of words that we hadn't heard yet yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons. He wants to deal with... Um, potentiality and they were always using these big these almost like quantum mechanic words like there's almost like a, a deeper science in there and i was in my mind when i was listening to the um the interviews i was thinking of instead of quantum mechanics we were getting like um quantum fantasy or we were getting fantasy mechanic or something you know some combination of what happens when you take the weird and strange world of science and quantum mechanics but you say there's magic's real in the world Mm-hmm. What does magic do with weird and, and you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And that's what I think he was diving into. Hmm. And I think like the dunamancy came from a Latin word where he was trying to, they had to do with something about potential or future or something like that. So he was really into kind of working around that concept throughout this book. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It made me want, want to get into it a little bit more, like the, especially the subclasses. I feel yeah. still that this will be a book that I only use for the additional rules that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to run a wild mount campaign. I don't know how many people are going to run uh, the wild mount campaign, but I hope people do. So yeah. I don't know. I think it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, okay. So I don't watch critical role. I tried. I really did try. I tried to but, watch uh, it this week and I couldn't do it. It's so, <laughs> popular and 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 even the people i play D with love critical role but uh and it's just a personal thing that the episodes are too long for my consumption a weekly episode that is three to four hours long is uh it's it's just a lot and i can't do it and so catching up has become a burden as opposed yeah. to a fun thing for that i want to do um that being said uh, I think it's really cool that Matt is able to do this. Um, I don't know the world of Exandria that well, and I'm I'm wondering, is this a little too fantasy cookie cutter? Like, we have, like, if you think back to other campaign settings, you know, uh, uh, and actually, Web, uh, WebDM did a really good video on Dark Sun this week, so you could, should go check yeah, that out. Really but good. it was one of those things where they were like, well, we have the Forgotten Realms, we have Greyhawk, we kind of have these, like, cookie cutter, like, medieval fantasy areas, um, let's make something completely different and, and change up a whole bunch of stuff. And then dark sun came out of that, you know, and, and you get mm-hmm. these weird, like it's a it's hostile and it's desert and there's no metal. Everything's, everything's made out of like, like, uh, insect cartilage and bone and things like that. Uh, and it was just like, it, I don't know. It was just, how do we make a really different world, but you can still use the mechanics of D and D in the thing. Um, and so coming off of the, off of Eberron, like they just released a campaign setting book and their official next book is a campaign setting book. 
mm-hmm. it just is kind of it's kind of weird. And then we were talking like D and D Live is is this the book they're pushing for D and D Live? It's going to be like, hey, we've got this thing. Um, and so I don't know. We're we've been talking a lot about uh, we as in like me and my friends and the internet and stuff. <laughs> um, just about. Uh, that dice set that was leaked on Amazon and that that Mm -hmm. has to correspond to a new book. Cause it got me thinking like the Ravnica book came out with a dice set and not, you know, and, and adventures usually come out with a dice set like tomb of annihilation and things like that. But I think with this one, like Xanathar's didn't come out with a dice set, but I get the sensation that the, that that dice set is tying to a book where all this unearthed arcana that we've been testing is going to come out. And I don't know why they have decided to not announce it or if it just was like, Hey, we need to do more testing to finish it or something like that. And it's going to get pushed out. But it just, it, the whole thing feels like we were building up to a really cool, like announcement. And then Matt Mercer came in and was like, I'm making this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again is kind of like the acquisitions incorporated book where they were going to kickstart that. Like Penny Arcade was like, hey, we want to make this book. I think we'll do a Kickstarter. And then Wizards said, well, why don't we produce it for you? And this kind of feels right. the same way, especially after listening to you. I haven't listened to all of the interviews. I'm a bad, I'm a bad host of a D&D podcast. Bad, but bad I, haven't, I haven't listened to all the D&D uh, <laughs> things. But you even said that they were like, well, we wanted to bring Matt in for something. And then Matt pitched this to them. And they were like, yeah, we'll do that. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So this wasn't in like a huge grand plan either. Which makes me think that there there is something else that's coming, and we just don't have it. But I yeah, I agree, and I definitely because they have to have at least they're going to do two of their own books, I imagine, minimum this year. I mean, we got uh, adventure or campaign setting books like the ones we think of, where it's like Baldur's Gate, um, Salt Marsh. What did we get last year? We got Baldur's Gate, Salt Marsh. That were all Forgotten Realms, but in within their adventure set, we got. Mad Mage was last year, right? Or was that the year before? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have to go back and look at the thing. But we get a lot of the, their their stuff throughout the year. And it's not just like it's one book and we're done. And they throw in these other books from other things. So we got Rick and Morty's got thrown in at some point in the schedule. We got Eberron got thrown in some point in the schedule. We got Ak Inc. thrown in. We got Ravnica thrown in. Those were all fit in. Those ones all feel like extra books besides their main line yeah those all feel like to me additional things and this one feels additional this wild mount one i do feel like they knew they were going to get some pushback because they just did a lot of pr stuff where there was just a lot more talk about hey guys we understand this is the new book and if it's not your thing if you're not a big critical role fan don't worry there's plenty more books out there for you you know, you don't have to, you know, don't have to burn internet down if this is the one you wanted. Yeah. So I think they kind of knew people were waiting for the next adventure, but were, were, were announcing something they, they weren't ready for or had no idea was even coming. Like there's just no hint. I mean, why didn't they hint it just before the, the end of last year to say, hey, right at the end of last year, they could have said very last show of um, – um, spoilers of the swag they could have said hey we're working with matt on something super cool Mm -hmm. and when we come back from christmas vacation we're going to tell you what we've been working with matt when we get back yeah and that would have set up everything to say oh okay so when they came out with the announcement we would have said oh that makes sense they said they were working with something with matt Mm -hmm. here's the thing they've been working with 
that's great. But they didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't set any expectation. So they let their audience's expectation run wild. Mm -hmm. And of course, it wasn't exactly what we wanted because we had, we had no hint. We had no, nothing pushed our expectation one way or the other to help yeah. guide it. They yeah. just let it go. And I felt like that's kind of a misstep for them. Um, and like, it also feels it, like is it that companies like, is it their responsibility to rein in our fandom? I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess there's some mm -hmm. pushback now, but like, I'm just thinking like, they don't, they didn't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess they didn't they didn't leak one way or the other that it was going to be anything else other than Unearthed Arcana, I guess. Um, and now we're all speculating that there's another thing, but like, I don't well, know. all their storylines have leaks. They'll put out some artwork. Like when okay, we were yeah. before we knew anything about Descent to Avernus, we got the cool artwork and we got to see Zeriel and we got to start moving our minds in that direction. So when the yeah. real announcement came out it made sense to us. Like okay, it, that's nobody fair, yeah. said, Oh my God, why are we doing Baldur's gate? You know, yeah. it, it they were doing like, like Lori should know about Baldur's gate and things like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah um, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. Actually, now that I think about it and, uh, I, we even like when my channel was really new, um, uh, when tomb of annihilation was coming out, um, yeah. we all figured out that it was Chult and Jordan made a whole Chult video to, on launch day release, you know, right. um, because it was like, we, I mean, all of us like internet people, we kind of just figured it out. And so you're right. You're right. Yeah. But this and was you didn't very know it was going to be like yeah. a redone of tomb of annihilation, but you knew, like you said, Chol, and we knew that, okay, yeah. we might be going back to the jungle and all right, we're going to get this great adventure. Yeah. What's it going to have us do? And then we find out, okay, it's a redo of, you know, that, and we're okay with that. So I think, and I think anything when you're working with your customers, if you can help, with expectations then they don't go to places that you're not expecting like they're not expecting them to build a car and when we don't get a car from them you know there's like what but we thought you were building us a car Elon right Musk right or whatever, it's a know? toaster this is what we're doing <laughs> but this yeah. it doesn't have any wheels but it makes toast and yeah, yeah. So. and then the other thing that seems weird to me kind of adding on to that last point is it feels like these side projects get about a month of push mm -hmm. and then they're just kind of thrown to the wayside to bring in whatever the next thing is to the the main storyline or the main thing that they're running and that'll get a three or four month push but these eberron got like a, a middle of november release with barely any real supporting videos to it until this past month or so we got some more finally and then that was it we didn't get a ton of push for eberron we didn't get a live event we didn't get big streaming events from D&D. &D. We got some other people that were doing streaming yeah, of yeah. them, but they weren't pushing it and they weren't they weren't really making it, hey, this is the next big thing. Same with Ack Inc. They just put the book out. They talked about it for the month that it released and that was about it. They said it was coming, but they didn't really do anything. They didn't run a live event for it. They didn't run it, um, you know, like even just streaming events from their own studios because they have three or four studios that they can stream shows from all the time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it feels like they're, they're not giving enough time to these other products that they're working with the stranger things. We got a little bit, we got um, Rick and Morty. There's a little bit to it, but it wasn't a lot. It doesn't well, feel think, like they're really yeah, pushing it. I think, I think they're pushing the main storylines because that's yeah. what they've decided to push. And these other things feel like extra, but you start talking about like stranger things and, and uh, Rick and Morty, those are not designed to be these big things. Those are designed to work well, their, their way sets, into though. existing fandoms. 
So, yeah. so, so, you know, Stranger Thing fans are just like, oh, cool, I can get this D&D thing and like collectors and stuff. So I don't know. But I don't know. So when which means we're here in 2020, it's January 25th, we're about to be out of January. And we don't know what the main storyline is. We don't know anything about their main thing. They've not given us a hint. They've not given us a screenshot. They've not said anything. So here we are, you know, already a month into the next the next year. And we don't know. We don't know what their main their main product is. It's crazy. Game over, man. Game over. Uh, And what it's doing, I think, is allowing other games to catch ground on them. I feel like Pathfinder is making a big push right now. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing a lot more news about Pathfinder. When I went over to World 20 and I was looking at games you could join, because I was trying to find, let's see if there's a campaign out there I wanted to try on a game system I'm not playing, so I can kind of learn it. And I figured I'd go and they they host those over on Roll20. Lots and lots of Pathfinder games on Roll20 right now. Tons of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's plenty of 5e. There's plenty of some other stuff going on. But I was surprised at the number of Pathfinder. So I think there's a slow resurgence of these um, other gaming systems getting a chance because Dungeons Mm -hmm. & Dragons has not given us the big thing that we, we want or the big next thing. So it's allowing us to kind of wander around and look at other stuff. So, which isn't bad, but no, uh, but like, I guess I see your point. Um, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Like I think everybody should play a bunch of other games. Um, but whenever they do drop that unearthed arcana, like bombshell, uh, book, I think that's going to make everybody swing back over, but we'll see. Um, but it got me yeah. also thinking like, uh, a lot of people on Twitter and the internet say we're, we're, Sorry, I want to back up. So the DMs Guild is on fire right now. Like it is doing so well and it's so cool. And I was I was perusing it the other day and um, I'm, I, occasionally people contact me and they're like, hey, I made this like supplement. Could I send it to you? Maybe you can talk about it on your YouTube channel or, your, or the Saturday morning D&D show. And I'm like, okay, sure. And people have been sending me a couple stuff here and there. Um, and perusing it and going through it, I was like, some of these, some of these sound really awesome, and I've been picking up quite a few here and there. Um, but I wanted to talk about th- that. I saw a tweet that that somebody said, uh, "If you don't like the books that are coming out of Wizards of the Coast, look to the DMs Guild, and if you don't like that, write it yourself, because there's nothing <laughs> stopping us." And like going yeah. to the DMs Guild today, um, there was just released a Kalimshan Adventurers Guide that's got like how do you play in Kalimshan in the Forgotten Realms and it's got all of these backgrounds and magic items and nothing like really crazy, um, no new classes and stuff like that. But if you want to use that at your home table, you certainly can. Um, another great one I saw was Faiths of the Forgotten Realms 2. Um, and I own Faiths of the Forgotten Realms 1 and really enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that book. If you like Eberron, um, I had this comp- or these people sent me a copy of their book called Eberron, A Pocket Guide to the World. And you can like go in and, and it's just like, I don't know, like zoom in on a section of Eberron and you can and you can research a whole bunch. Uh, so I don't know. There's just cool stuff going on the DMs Guild. So I wanted to like emphasize that because mm-hmm. we're not trying to be like, oh, Wizards of the Coast, you're not doing what we want to do. Like, like we have the tool sets to really go out and do whatever we want and make whatever we want. And and uh, w- before the Artificer was out in Eberron, I think there were like a dozen Artificers you could get on 
the DMs Guild or for free on the internet because people were workshopping the Artificer because they like it and things like that. So I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just kind of like there's lots of lots of really cool stuff out there on the DMs Guild. So and, and even just the third party companies that are building Five E stuff. I mean, oh, there's yeah. there's a lot Lonnie of stuff Cook, out I'm there. I'm really from excited good. for that Numenera. Um, that Numenera. Yeah. Supplement for D&D 5e. Yeah. But um, even Cobalt Press, the yeah. stuff that they've been putting out, um, Third Eye Games, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I saw. Just all, all these different people that are doing some 5e adjacent things or mm -hmm. 5e campaigns or classes or all this stuff that's out there. I think it's, you can get it if you want it. I definitely agree. And even our complaining tone of talking about, like you said, what Wizards is doing now isn't. I love the company. I'm going to buy everything they put out. They get my money every single time. Um, I can't wait to see what the next thing is. That's all it is. It's just, I can't wait to see yeah. what the next, what the next thing is. I'm into it. And I hope they do something different. And I hope they bring back some of these other worlds. Um, and, and like, it, it was uh, very interesting. Uh, and I always, I don't, I feel like I'm really being hard on critical role and I'm not trying to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to emphasize that. Uh, it's because you're a hater, Jordan. Your someone, your opinions can change, and I enjoy them when I am wrong. In uh, case in point, the Ravnica book came out, and I'm like, no, thank you. And then, uh, parents' sister of mine was like, what do I? What do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe this Ravnica book. I'll see what it's all about. Read it cover to cover, and I'm like, this is awesome. And even yeah. though I don't, I still don't necessarily want to run a game in Ravnica the monsters that I stole, some of the scenarios and situations, some of the like fighting, like, I'm like, Oh no, that like just the conflict that these two houses have, I don't remember what they're called specifically guild. Sorry. It is guild. Uh, uh, these two <laughs> guilds have with each other. That would be really interesting to take over here. And I like that the undercity is this like sludgy spore area that this guild uh, hangs out in things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So really, I was wrong about that book. Like, I, th I think it's a very well-made book and I really enjoyed Ravnica. Um, still not going to play a Ravnica game. Now, the same thing with uh, Wildmount. I'm probably not going to run a Critical Role game because I'm not a huge fan of Critical Role, but there's going to be a ton of stuff in there that I'm going to take because Matt is an excellent writer and he's he knows the game and he's really good. And I think I'm curious to see what, what he uh brings to the table like as mm -hmm. far as this um and 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 design wise and things like that and you get inspired by everything uh and that could even be said by wizards of the coast books like i bought descent into avernus and i'm like i'm probably not gonna run it but i bought it because i wanted all of the cool mechanics to eventually run my mad max game of D, &D <laughs> in the desert with like uh i think it's the the hell rider things and i wanted to use all of the mm -hmm. the engines and the the cars and stuff that run on yeah, soul yeah. coins and so yeah <laughs> cool stuff so that was a talk we talked about all that um yeah. next we're going to talk a little bit about or what do well they did do well Go they ahead. did do dragon plus um, oh, yeah, yeah. and so jeremy dove into a little bit more of the classes the ua article that was out right now that was talking about some of those classes and one of the things he said and i always like this i wish that video he did came out just before they released the UA article. So you could watch that and then you can say, oh, and at the end of the show, here's the UA article that we're talking about because then you can go to it. Because it almost would frame kind of your idea of where they were thinking. And now you can look at what they were thinking about and this mm -hmm. is the result. And one of the things like the monk one, I, I noticed a lot of people said, well, the monk doesn't, the, the, the path of mercy doesn't really 
you know, interest me and we've got plenty right. of clerics, we've got plenty of healing. What's the point? But what Jeremy was saying is, is that one of the things they wanted to explore was this idea of a European style monk, because all of the monks that they create now are very Eastern style, very, yeah. very Asian themed monks. Is like the only karate, way. But that's not the only type of monk yeah. there was. Like, monk is a very broad word. Yeah. And they wanted to explore the non-Eastern style of monk, what was the friars. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, all these other types of monks that you would have gotten. And what would that look like? And taking it from that context, that made me think, oh, that's that's a very interesting way to think about it. But they also went into like the plague doctor people, the people that would go around into these plague ridden cities mm -hmm. and they would either try to help a person. But if they were too far gone, they would end them and get this person out of here because we got to clean this corruption up. And they might be wearing those cool plague doctor masks and things yeah. that you would have seen. And so you get a very different style monk in that version than you do from you know, from anything else that we might have imagined before. <clears throat> so I liked hearing that and I thought, oh, now that makes it more interesting. And it would be something that I would be interested in trying to play or role play that style of a character. Somebody who spent a lot of their time in a disease ridden city trying to help it, but just it's a terrible thing to try to do when you don't have, when the magics aren't working or, and what would that even be? Would the plague, could the plague even spread in a in a forgotten realm city at this point could water deep be overtaken by some type of you know black plague that's being transmitted by rats but nobody understands it because we don't really have science we have magic people and adventurers how are they going to figure out that that's what the pro it's the fleas on the rats that are doing it type thing you know so it'd be very interesting so i liked how he talked about that i loved how he talked about the people were saying well you have the the kind of the this beast barbarian but isn't that like the totem one and he talked about well that the totem one is about internal power and this other one's about transformation about changing into something different mm. and the, you know that's where the lycanthropy comes from and yeah. the, you were possibly a werewolf in this idea so i love hearing their ideas on what they were thinking when they said okay this is the concept we want to explore for a subclass and they give it to a writer and a lot of these they gave to dan dylan they said this is what i want to explore mm -hmm. Give us something that has to do with lots of transform body transformation, or give us something that has to do with a uh, European monk, or give us something that has to do with you know whatever all the other ones, the the watcher of the uh, of the way of the watchers. You know what what does that look like if you're if you're only trying to keep an eye out for aberrations that are trying to break into our world? And who, yeah, who makes I had a, an idea for a subclass called Way of the Weight Watchers where okay. you had to like, you had <laughs> to take in so many calories away. a day and no. Uh, and <laughs> also uh, I'm gonna point out, you were talking about um, like plagues and stuff. And I think yeah. everybody here remembers the Wailing Death, the plague in Neverwinter in 1372 that started everybody. in Beggar's Nest and spread out. And, and you, you, the adventurer had to go and, and solve that, that uh, magical disease. Yeah. And magic just wouldn't cure it just no, automatically, it right? Yeah, and everybody yeah. was getting sick. It was bad news. So bears. there you go. So that's perfect. That, oh, that works out. I love you. <laughs> um, so go watch that if you didn't yeah, watch yeah. it. Um, I think it's very interesting to always see what their what their mindset is when they're creating a class. And I think it helps inform you when you think about the class and you say, what do I like about it? Do I think it fit in my campaign? If you know where the kernel of the idea came from, what were they trying to do? Right. And if you're going to give them feedback, you can say, oh, well, you were trying to make a European monk, 
and this is the 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 words you gave us to do that. You know, it might be better if you change this to this. That would be more of the feel you were looking for, right? Because we know what they were trying to go for. So I, I like yeah. watching that, getting an understanding of what Je- where Jeremy was and and his crew were sitting, and then said, "Okay, now I can now I can give some ideas to it." So yeah, really and there were some people in uh, YouTube chat that were saying, um, you know, it won't feel like a European monk if you have key points, and right. so that's great feedback to give them. Like, yeah. can you reflavor these key points into like something else? So you're not like, you know, channeling your inner whatever, but you're instead calling upon a God or something like that. Um, but same, same math, same kind of mechanics, but like you need to change it up somehow. And, and, and that's the feedback that they want. So, or Wizards of the Coast, yeah. watch our show. And, and in the chat, you can just pick all the really good good chats out yeah. yeah you can send all your ua articles to us for testing for yeah, sure exactly, before exactly. you put them out just so we can do it you know just a once over <laughs> um so i'm sure they will but so those that was the news i think those are the big things that are out like you said and we're all looking forward to that we've got till march at this point so we're only two months away for release from wild mount um i'm not sure when we'll hear the next release of whatever's coming out we know the dice set is already out um I did see Beatles and Grimm did their uh, special edition of, uh, I want to say Eberron. They're putting out a special edition really? box set for Eberron, a big expensive one like they've been doing for some of the other yeah, adventure yeah. sets, okay, which is that. cool. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to kind of see what we, but I still feel like we don't know what's, what's what Wizards is doing for 2020. Yeah. We know the Wild we'll Mount book's coming out, but what's Wizards doing for 2020 yeah. is what I'm, I'm interested in seeing now and, and where we're going to go. So, All right. But that usually leads us into our Bardic inspiration. It looked like Jordan had one in there, which is awesome. What? Jordan had an inspiration I, this week. I My inspiration was, uh, I think it was uh, 6 a.m. I was like, baby, go to bed. I'm still tired. I don't know why you're awake. Um, and I was scrolling through Reddit, um, and, or maybe it was Instagram or something. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Jordan. Anyway, uh, (laughs) but there was, um, somebody, somebody had posted like, how do you role play a suit of armor controlled by a swarm of bees? And I just loved that monster. And so I was thinking like, what if you, uh, so my bardic inspiration is really like, like sentient swarms of stuff Mm -hmm. and, and that. You know, you would have like, how do you like? Oh, the I don't know. Brain is going a mile a minute right now, but uh, a swarm of bees can be taken out with things like fireball and all this other stuff. But what if they learn to protect themselves and they swarm into armor or they swarm into clothing or they're trying to like pass themselves off as human, but they're not human, and so they're like walking really weird. And you're like, what's go-? so that was? I don't know. I want to bounce ideas off you, Lucian. Like, what if you go into a town and everybody's walking around and acting really weird and they talk in like a weird buzzing voice, and you're like, this is mm-hmm. odd. And it turns out the entire town is just full of like bee people. I don't know. I like that. I like the idea of like you said, sentient swarm. Yeah. So it's like swarm minds that probably have a way because there's so many of them and they can connect and they can use each other's resources to become smarter than the individual. So like the, the individual bee is not as smart has a very limited amount, but now when you get 10,000 of them together, that smart is 
10,000 times more smart. And now they can move around. Like you said, they can cast spells, they can build buildings, they can do whatever they want. And they figured out how to do this. And then you add in the, which is really, you just said the next cool thing is it's not just one big swarm that does all of it, which is what most stories do. It's this swarm is this group and there's this swarm and this swarm and this swarm, and they all coexist in some type of civilization because they've all reached a higher you know, um, sentience Mm -hmm. and they, they cooperate with each other. They're not adversarial. They're, they're cooperative. So you have, you know, the honeybee suit of armor and you have the, the wasp suit of armor Mm -hmm. and you have the, you know, all these different, or it could be anything, the ants, you know, or whatever. And so that brings in all those kinds of cool things where you talk about some type of swarm that turns into a bipedal creature of some sort mimics things. Yeah um beetles and yeah yeah you could cranium rats kind of do this somebody was point or people were pointing out in the things that that is exactly what a cranium rat is but uh and i also watched a uh kurtz uh guard i think it's a youtuber and he did a i find ants very interesting and he did a video on ants and i didn't know this but um the ants of africa uh evolved in such a way that they were fighting with each other constantly. So when one ant population got too big, they would spread a little too thin and the others would take over. And so it was always this balance of these different ant colonies. But when the ants came over to the United States, uh, there was there was no other ant colony to stop them. So they grew and grew and grew and grew. And we, we have basically like two or three different types of ants in the US. And they're mm-hmm. all kind of like, friendly with each other in a way and it, and it mm-hmm. changed the ecosystem a whole bunch uh and i don't know you do something like that like you're you you have all these i don't know you're in the fey wild and there's all these different kind of bees but the minute those bees get to uh Feyrune, they're they're going everywhere and it's up to you adventurers to stop them because they're in encroach- like ghost towns that are just a buzz with mm-hmm. the dead i don't know yeah <laughs> or imagine the cool things you could do if you were the player character that were, was that you were, you were like, I'm actually uh, it's three a halflings in a trench coat kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could talk with a buzz all the time. I think I need to make an can... NPC that's like that for my yeah. upcoming game. It'll be yeah. like, Oh yeah, I was actually bees the whole time. And it just like, Oh God. Yeah. And then somebody said in, in chat, undead bees, then we get undead, undead bees. We get, bees. Then we get vampire and werewolf bees. Hell <laughs> yeah. We get the whole gamut. I love it. I love that kind of, that would be an interesting campaign world or something to set into your campaign world to turn it on its head. Yeah. Cause your players would never expect something like that. Mm-hmm. And just describing it, like you'd want to be really circumspect on how you describe it too. You'd be like, I don't know. You see like this suit of armor and it's moving. Yeah. But it's kind of clunky. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be moving quite right. And there's something weird about the skin. It's like, it's moving. Yeah. <laughs> and then they learn and they get smarter. And so the next yeah. one you meet, they're walking a little better. And the yeah. one after that is almost, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Or a lot. they mimic you. Like they, yeah. they, they are f- full on mimics. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they just mimic. So at first, like they're, they're walking really weird, but the minute they, they notice you all of a sudden, every move you're doing, they're doing like, mm-hmm. and they're doing it perfectly. Like they're mm-hmm. like a perfect mimic kind of thing or diving into mimics, more mimics that just threw out that whole, I forgot. I love mimics. Oh I love yeah. Adding mimics to everything. Yeah. So. Tome of beast has like a uh, mimic, uh, snap jaws like uh traps that you would set mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. they've got like mimic maps and things like a whole kinds, all f- sorts of fun stuff, but everything you could use. <laughs> but what was your bardic inspiration? Good, sir. Well, I am reading a wonderful book by Elliot Kay called Wandering Monsters, and it's just a really good book about changing the expectations of being an orc or a gnoll being you know yeah there you (laughs) go going back to the that's what we talk about (laughs) it was planned it was in the notes right then and uh i thought it was interesting the idea that you could play the monster races and you're playing them as the reason they've become adventurers is because they're outsiders in their own societies And their own societies look at them very strangely because they have strange views and they don't do, they're not like everybody else. So obviously what do we do when somebody's not like us? We ostracize them. We bully them. We, you know, it's the Mm -hmm. very typical storyline of, Oh, you don't do what our community does. So you must be an outsider. You must be an outcast. You must be weird or strange. And we all relate to that. Right. And so then this idea that these outcasts or these, these people who society, their own societies are not accepting come together and create their own group, which happens to be an adventuring group. And in this book, it's about an orc, a goblin, a knoll, a bugbear, and then a human prisoner that they pick up. And they're all just like, they all need each other to survive at this point because mm-hmm. everything that's trying to kill them doesn't like them. And they're not bad people. They're not they they're normal people with these monstrous or different bodies i even say monstrous seems wrong they're just different Mm -hmm. and they're trying to work together and the book really dives into that whole context i think that's such a cool you could run a campaign if you sat with your your players and you said okay i want to run a monster adventuring group what's that going to be like you know what's it like when you guys walk into town and you're 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 a goblin an orc a knoll and a bugbear. Yeah. And you try to walk into Waterdeep, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you try to walk into wherever. I love this idea of what that's going to be like and and some of the interactions that you can have with that and some of the ways that you can play around with turning the stereotypes on top of their head. And that's what you're always doing, right? Because everybody is stereotyping somebody else. Everybody says, well, an orc must be like this. And yet you're playing an orc that is not like that. They just aren't. They yeah. just, they never were that way. You know, they just, it's not them and playing a bugbear. That's just very different. Mm-hmm. I'm not that way. And I just think that was a really interesting. So yeah. if you want to read a book that really dives into that, you can pick it up. It's called wandering monsters by Elliot K. I'm reading on Amazon Kindle, but I also thought it was a really cool nugget or a little kernel for a campaign to play. And it's doing the monster campaign, but not the evil campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? sometimes kinda... people want to say, well, I'm going to do the evil campaign and we'll play evil orcs and evil. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into the stereotype. But yeah. I'm saying book the stereotype and play a almost like the monster squad adventure group mm-hmm. in a world that's humanocentric or elven centric or dwarven centric or whatever. And it was it was really interesting. So it's been really good. No, it's like the drow campaign I was talking about a few sessions back where I want to do the reverse out of the abyss where they're just like, we just want to go home. Like you guys are, you're scared of us and you're attacking us because you think we're evil and they might be evil, but like overall their goal is to just get back to the Underdark kind of a thing, so. Yeah, Um, Yeah. or just just find their place in the world. I'm just picturing a a Noel Bard and he's got his loot and he's just like, come on people now, smile on your brother. 
Everybody yeah. get together and try yeah, to love I just love music. Another right now. And in all the other Noels, they didn't like music. They like music's not a part of their society. Yeah. But this Noel, this Noel loves music. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool. He's he was born to rock. So Ow. try that out. So if you guys have your Bardic inspiration for the week, again, what Bardic inspiration is all about is just that one little kernel or nugget that you had throughout the week based off of something you saw, watched, read, whatever it was. And you're just sharing it with everybody in case they want to make a campaign based on something like that. So put it in the comments. Yeah. Um, Lucian, uh, typically on this show, we play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Did you play any Dungeons and Dragons this year? No, this no, week? I don't. I don't. I only talk about Dungeons and Dragons. I don't actually play it. That would what? be silly. <laughs> How could I actually do that? No, we were going to have our very last session. So the problem that happens with we know it's the last session is you can't just say, well, Bob won't be there. So we'll just go ahead and play. And when Bob gets back, it'll be fine because everybody wants to be there for the last session. The dungeon master wants everybody to be there for the last yeah. session. So the last session has to fit in everybody's schedule. It cannot be, well, we'll just play even though we're down a person or whatever. So because of that, we've got a two week gap now where some people were sick. Some people have, um, they're doing some work stuff can't do anything so it wasn't last week we got to play it wasn't this week we get to play it looks like it's going to be february 5th is when we're going to finally get to play the last mm. session and so yeah i've gone almost two weeks now without playing any dungeons and dragons that's why i was over on roll 20 looking at games to play because i was like <laughs> i've got no games to play i should find something to play in that i can commit and that's the thing that's the one thing i was sitting and thinking about dungeons and dragons last night while mm -hmm. i was laying in bed was that it is a great game it's a great hobby, but it's not something you can just say five minutes from now, I want to play, so I'm playing. It's a very scheduled event kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? You have to have people schedules. There's not a way. It's not like computer games where if I say, uh, you know what? In five minutes, I'm jumping into World of Warcraft and I'm going to run a bunch of quests. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I can do that any time of the night. I can do that any time of the day. I can do it whenever I just sit down at my computer. I don't need anybody else. I can do it. And I think that's the one thing that this hobby misses is that I can't just at any moment of the day sit down and play it. I have to organize it or I have to find people that are, hey, guys, what are you doing tonight? I'm not doing anything either. Okay, let's all get together and play this. It's, it's very oh, wait, I don't have anything prepared. Uh, give me yeah. like a couple <clears throat> hours to write something. Yeah. Right. No, it is it is structured fun, um, but I I think that's also the charm of D and D, um, sure. because if no like for me I guess it is and and coming from a performance aspect I I always enjoy, um, the magic of theater, and when you watch a play when you, even a movie you have a shared experience with the people in that theater and and in and with those actors and things like that. Um, and that's always translated to Dungeons and Dragons for me, where I'm like, what we're, what we've scheduled and what we're going to do in the two to three hours we're going to play right now, this is like magic and it's just kind of cool. And I think that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's different than a video game, but, but yeah. you just wait, Boulder's Gate 3 is going to come out. You're going to be so excited. Um, and you'll be able to play well, in your analogy. <laughs> makes total sense to me and even from a th i'm not a theater person but i've heard this from other theater people before mm -hmm. when they're trying to describe the difference between i do theater like you do and i do improv now they both happen at the theater a lot of times and they both happen 
You know, it's kind of actors doing actory things in front of an audience typically, but there's something different. They're not the same thing, right? And I think that's what the improv is, is that we can do, we can just, there's no prep. There's no, we just decide to do it and it's done. Mm-hmm. And the theater is, well, we have to prepare for this. We, we all have our parts. Somebody's wrote the script. Somebody has made all the cool props and it's that experience even though they're both the same so for me it's it's like you said a computer game is like improv and then dungeons and dragons is like theater production Mm. at this point so in that in that weird analogy i guess so and so it made me sad that i couldn't just be at 2 a.m in the morning on a on a saturday night and go you know what i've got nothing to do i just want to play a cool barbarian but i can't just play a cool barbarian at 2 a.m in the morning no and it's (laughs) stuff like that that's how i uh end up playing um or end up building characters because it'll be 2 a.m and i'm just like oh my gosh an orc druid ah!" and i run and i start (laughs) building and picking spells like the other day somebody was talking about um uh well i'm gonna announce it here in a little bit but this game that i'm gonna run they were talking about um using the spell shadow blade and I was like, oh yeah, I've never gotten Shadowblade to like work. Like I was trying to build like a melee sorcerer and it just wasn't working. Oh yeah, working. this was Ted. I yeah, saw this, Ted, yeah. I saw this tweet by Ted. Yeah. yeah, and so I was like, <laughs> and then I got thinking about how he was going to use Shadowblade. And I'm like, what if I made an arcane trickster rogue who used Shadowblade? And all of a sudden it like, it it flushed out and I'm like, now I want to play that character real bad. And yeah. It's going to be so fun, but yeah. Yeah, he wanted to dual wield a Sunblade and a Shadowblade. A Sunblade and, and thought, a Shadowblade, Oh yeah. my God, I've <laughs> never thought of that. That I is know. so cool. It's awesome. <laughs> it's just like light and dark, going crazy. Yeah, that is such a cool idea. I like it. Why isn't there a spell that lets me do a Sunblade-like spell? Shat- the opposite of Shadowblade. Can I do a light blade or whatever, you know, a... a- what would you even call well, it? Well, you can't concentrate on two spells at once. So right. that's probably a problem. But is there uh, any that was the que- I, that was a question I wanted to ask. Has anybody or any rule anywhere out there, mm-hmm. any subclass or feat, is there anything that lets you concentrate on two things? Um in official Wizards of the Coast stuff, I don't think so. Now I've played in yeah. a game where they gave me um a magic item that was like a mechanical owl that stood on my shoulder and that allowed me to concentrate on two spells at once. Oh, that's right. Because the spell that comes from the magic item doesn't take your concentration. So if the item casts the spell, in fact, that's what happens with the staff of swarms. You cast insect swarm, which is a regular insect swarm Mm -hmm. spell, but the staff casts that and it's not your concentration. That's holding that um, you can concentrate and do something. You can still cast a spell as far as no. I- well, this was a custom magic item that literally it's, it's description was Jordan can concentrate on two spells at once because the idea was that the bird was concentrating on it. But I think, I don't think oh, that it works like that with the, cause you, you, even though you're casting the spell, you're holding on to the staff and the staff is doing the magic. You still have to direct it and control it. So if I was your dungeon master, I would still make you make concentration checks. And it's just the simple fact oh, like, oh, you got hit and you dropped the staff and the spell ended or something like that. But that's me. Um, this was a custom magic item that somebody made for me. So I was thinking it was more innate. I wonder if that's rules out there. Well, if you guys see that rule, I'll have to go look that uh, up. Concentration and uh, more than one bonus action. People have asked about that too. Like, why can't I get a magic item that lets me take two bonus actions? And I remember... 
uh, Jeremy Crawford saying like, well, it's it's intentional that you get one and it's also intentional that you can't trade your regular action for a bonus action because there are things you can do with multiple bonus actions that I don't want to say break the game, but like design wise, it's been very intentional to give you that one bonus action. So Right, but then you get to the rogue who has like cunning action. He still only has one bonus action, though. He can do more things with that but he bonus gets a, action. Right, but you get abilities that will let you do bonus action-like things. They don't call it a bonus action. They just say you can do that thing. Okay. Like like the... Uh, um, <laughs> We're just getting into, like, the, the tabaxi stuff now. Okay. The tabaxi dash is a racial thing, mm-hmm. but it's not a bonus action thing. But you're doing something that, like, you would normally do with your bonus action, which is get that extra movement. So I think there are I think there are little things that let you do some of those things, but you're right. They never say here's bonus action number two, or even when they say multi attack, they don't say here's. I don't think they say action number two, but like with action surge, you get another action, right? Mm-hmm. From the fighter, yeah. So they call that a second action, right? Because you don't normally get two actions; you get Correct. one action. Correct. But with with the surge, I think you do get your second. So yeah, I think there's little things like that. I don't know. It's interesting to to dive into that because I know they've always said that their fear is if they didn't have concentration, if you took that away, all of the special effects that are happening from all these spells that are going off will bog the game down and make it too hard to keep track of what's going on. So I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And I understand why not letting that happen. But I had just wondered if if the item innately casts, like the Ring of Invisibility, if you use the Ring of Invisibility, are you concentrating on invisibility or is the ring doing the invisibility thing and you're off doing your own thing? I don't know. Which is what I was wondering. I, it's, so, probably, very interesting. Uh, it's probably, um, yeah, it's it probably, yeah, it's probably item specific. So, yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah. You know, there's this show I watched not too long ago that had um, this person asking DMs questions okay, about how it works. I want you know, your ring of invisibility. It, it gives you the status of invisible. It doesn't cast invisibility on you. There you go. So I see what you're saying, but like, yeah. and, that, and that's just the game and the wording of it and things like that. Um, but yeah, you you get the status of invisible. You're not using it to cast the spell invisible because if you were casting right. the spell, but. So I need the status that lets me cast a light blade so that okay. I can then cast <laughs> the dark blade. That's all, I'm, that's all I want, Jordan. That's all I'm going to All right, so. all right. All right, so what kind of... Uh, I didn't play any Dungeons & Dragons. We got off on that crazy <laughs> rules tangent. You just tangent, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, did, what did Jordan do in Dungeons & Dragons? He must have played. At least one of the hosts of this show must have played Dungeons um, I played Acquisitions Incorporated. We're coming up at the end um, of Ack Inc., and I think we have maybe... Uh, I don't know. The DM was saying like maybe one longish session or two shorter sessions left. Um, but if you're familiar with uh, Acquisitions Incorporated and specifically the C team, um, it's not a huge spoiler, but we're at the end of uh, Ack Inc. Um, we're now in uh, something called the test market. And the test market, I think, is episode two of the C team. And they talk about... Mm. Um, they talk about the test market there. So it's kind of fun. If you've watched the C team, we're like playing in, in the same realm now, which brings up a couple of interesting things as one of our players 
has very much loves the C team and has watched a whole bunch of it. So he kind of knows the answers to a lot of the puzzles that we're seeing, um, which is, I don't know, kind of sad where you're just like, oh, I don't know. It's not, it's like you read ahead, but he didn't. He's just a fan of the show. So it's kind of interesting. I was, I mean, I've seen those episodes, but I was kind of like, I don't remember exactly how they got out of this situation. So I'm just like, whatever. But, um, and it also got me, uh, I don't play a lot of characters because I DM a lot. But I've gotten very attached to my my flame sorcerer. His name is Espen. And I'm now understanding that that why people really love playing. Because you do just like, you watch this character grow and evolve in his personality. And Espen has become a snarky reflection of myself. And I love it. And it's mm-hmm. he's been really fun. And I'm sad to see him go. But it's about to end, right? It so is, you're already yeah. thinking about, oh, like, well, oh, we're going to move end. on. And I have mm-hmm. other characters I would like to play, but I really... I don't know. Part of me wants to do, can we do like an all-star game where everybody picks their favorite character and we jump in and we play them and (laughs) that would be really fun. And I'm, we'll figure out how everybody knows each other some way, but like he's a, he's a, he's a really awesome character and I have a lot of fun with him. Um, my Shadowfell game is, uh, so my dog got out and, and like my wife came home and she's like, Oh, Hey. And I'm like, yeah, I've been watching the baby. And I was like, here, take the baby. And I start walking through the house and I'm like, where's the dog? And she's like, what, what's what? And so long story short, the dog got out and he was missing for like two or three hours, but a neighbor down the street saw this dog walking down the street and was like, Oh, you look like a cute little puppy and brought her into the house and, uh, posted on Facebook, lost dog. It came back to us. We found our dog. Everything's good. But, uh, we had to cancel the game because we were out driving around looking for our dog, which shout out to my D and D group. They all arrived for Dungeons and Dragons. We told them our dog was missing. They all got in their cars and drove around looking for our dog as well. So that was really swell of them to have. Yeah, I've had that nightmare (laughs) once before, and oh my god. Um, and scary. Yeah, it was it was super spooky because we love our puppy. Um, but I am working on really cool Githzerai adventures for them because they're in a Githzerai temple in the Shadowfell. Um, and uh, we gotta get the hand of Vecna in there somewhere as well. It's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we two two more things. I want to talk about a, a new stream show that I'm going to do, and then we have to announce our giveaway winner. Um, but I've cobbled together a team of people. Um, we have Ted from Nerd Immersion. We have Lex from Dank Dungeons. We have Brenna from... Well, Brenna's just, she's popular on Twitter and she's really cool. <laughs> and we have LB from LB Hack 'em Up, who's on a bunch of indoor adventures games uh, and uh, Danimal, I think, and some other streams. Uh, GG, anyway, she streams a lot. I have got all of those people for a new Wednesday night game um, starting in February. I think February 19th is our, is our soft. Mm-hmm. We're going to start that night. I got to plan a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, we're going to start at level five. My goal is to do some higher level stuff. So rather than starting at one, I want to start at five and see if we can get to like 12 or 13 or something like that um, level wise. And I'm taking an old Greyhawk second edition adventure called The Rod of Seven Parts. And I'm adapting Mm -hmm. it for Forgotten Realms loosely. um, And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to do it like a, I don't know, eight, eight, nine month campaign. And I'm really excited. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to stream it on Nerd Immersion's channel. And then it'll be archived on YouTube somewhere. So if you guys are interested in that, you should subscribe to, well, first, like me on Twitter. 
um, <laughs> or get in the Saturday morning D&D show Discord because I'll, yeah. I'll be sure to promote the, the heck out of it. But we're going to do Wednesday nights and the Rod of Seven Parts, and it's going to be so much fun. And we're going to have guest stars too. So, Lucian, if you're available on a random Wednesday night, we can have you random play uh, a really cool character <laughs> and you can come on uh, on my show. But uh, that, is, yeah. that is my announcement. I'm really excited for this. Uh, stay tuned for i've never streamed on i've done one shots and stuff but i haven't done like a long-running campaign so this will be really and i'm great. gonna play a beast swarm that is okay. in a suit of armor he's I a like beast swarm paladin i like it it's gonna be awesome <laughs> um yeah the rod of seven parts is uh, an adventure that i tried to adapt a long time ago for a fourth it's edition a great adventure game. yeah it's yeah such it's a good really adventure. fun and lots of cool stuff and i'm, I'm now i'm in that struggle though where they're level five and i'm like how do you guys know each other how am I going to get this ball rolling? My players are fun and they all want to play a game. So I'm sure they'll just be like, you look trustworthy. Let's adventure yeah. together. But I want it to be a little more cohesive than that. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with some backstories and stuff, but yeah. Create a patron. I always, I, the way I always try to bring those groups together is there's that overarching figure yeah. that says, I would like to hire you to do this thing. Yeah. And it's this benevolent, powerful person that Beholder, needs right. to do gotcha. things for yeah. them. <laughs> wears a cloak so you can't really see it just yeah, kind of floats yeah. <laughs> that's like really large guy um but yeah we're gonna have guest stars it's gonna be fun um i haven't worked out all the details yet but um i specifically have four players because i wanted a fifth person that i could rotate in um as as i wanted as needed so anyway so how uh, long yeah. are the sessions gonna be um like two and a half hours i think so okay yeah Two and a half, cool. three hours. So should be a lot of fun. Fifth edition, no Fifth special edition. rules, nothing crazy. Forgotten uh, Realms. Yeah, it's going to be Forgotten Realms specific. So that means no Eberron and no other stuff um, is the idea. So it should be a lot of fun. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we we have a winner. I, I recorded myself earlier um, choosing the winner so that, you know, we'll all know. We had about 100 people. Uh, go in for the Saturday morning D and D show hundredth episode giveaway for a plethora of stuff that's over there that I can't really reach. I should have had it next to me. I apologize, but we've got uh, metal dice, uh, dice rolling tray, uh, cloth battle maps, um, inspiration coins, monster tokens, a bunch of cool stuff. I will put this in a box tomorrow and mail it out. If the person who won responds to my email, if not, I will draw another one and, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep drawing. But uh, our winner, drum roll, our good friend, well, I don't know, actually, it might not be our good friend. I don't know everybody's handles. <laughs> hopefully but it's a fan of the show. Hopefully a fan of the show. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Thorin from Washington, yeah. USA. You are our winner. So congratulations, Kyle Thorin. I sent you an email. Check your email. Um, I will give you a couple days to respond. If you do not respond, then I will draw another one. So, mm. but I want to say thank you guys all for entering and, uh, you're awesome. It's wonderful. Uh, we had a lot of fun with our giveaway. Thanks again, dice dungeons for giving us, uh, dice dungeons are awesome. Go to their stuff. website. Yeah. And they've got a lot of really cool stuff. You should check them out. Yes. They're just finishing up a Kickstarter. It's awesome stuff. Yeah, um, their booth looked really cool at PAX and they're going to be at mm -hmm. some of the other they're gonna be at big Gen Con conventions. So yeah. Yeah. They, they sent me a message. They were like, are you going to be at Gen Con? We really want to meet you. And I'm like, I will be mm -hmm. speaking of Gen Con. Uh, I think tickets this Sunday. are this Sunday, tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. So you have to buy your, well, you don't have to buy your ticket tomorrow, but Jordan does because no. he wants to get in the housing lottery. In the housing so, lottery, yes. So that I'm not, <laughs> if you want to be I'm not like lottery. eight miles away and like, <laughs> you know, hitching rides to get there. So 
Um, right. Yeah. So congrats, Kyle. Uh, anything else before we go, Mr. Lucian? That's it for me. It's been another great show this and can't fun. wait to see what we have for the rest of 2020. It's going to be really good. Lots of games and yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks for I'm, joining everybody. Thank you so much for joining. I'm very excited for mm-hmm. 2020 games, um, especially for Rod of Seven Parts and uh, lots of things like uh, Salt Marsh came to an end on tragically and mm-hmm. uh, Acquisitions Incorporated is coming to an end. It just seems like it's it's the start of the year and like new games and new everything is kind of happening and I'm I'm very excited for it so it's gonna mm-hmm. be awesome. But all right, all new thank ideas. You guys, uh, <laughs> so much love having you here as always. I am Jordan with the silent PH in the middle. That is Sir Lucian at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, give us a follow, a like, a share. Tell your friends. Tell your grandma about the show. And Grandmas will, love us. Yes, we will see you uh, next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D D Show. Goodbye. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.